0: Hey, a quick reminder. We would love to hear from you about your best summer travel stories. Give us a call and tell us about the places you went, the people that you have met, the things that you learned while traveling. Uh, You can record a voice memo and email it to us at hello at atlasobscura.com or call us and leave a message at 315-992-7902. Looking forward to hearing from you.
1: Catalina Island is about 30 miles off the coast of Southern California. If you're a Mac user, it might be the photo on your desktop right now, because Apple named an operating system after the island. So if you are on a Mac, go ahead and close all of your applications and folders. That is Catalina, a beautiful island with steep rocky cliffs and coves along the coast. But long before it became the face of an operating system, Catalina Island was known as a destination for people living along the California coast, a sort of getaway to camp, hike, or visit the main city of Avalon. The island has a famous circular movie theater, which, by the way, Nick Cage once called his favorite theater. But movie stars were coming to Catalina Island long before Nick Cage. In the 1930s and 40s, Celebrities like Clark Gable, Joan Crawford, Humphrey Bogart, and John Wayne sailed over or flew in from Hollywood to spend the weekend in Avalon. There was boating, fishing, and partying. But away from the city, up in the folds of the hills, live the descendants of another group of famous guests. They too were flown in, but not from Los Angeles. In the late 1920s, they arrived from the Great Plains, They are 100 gigantic, wild, and definitely non-native bison. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we stare down Catalina Island's most intimidating residents, the strange story of their arrival, and the harrowing story of my own encounter with the bison of Catalina Island after this.
0: If you're looking for a trip full of the extraordinary and unexpected, then you need to get off the beaten path and head to Missouri. The City Museum in St. Louis has got to be one of the coolest places that I have ever been. But it's just one of many wonders found in Missouri. You can play a chess game at the World Chess Hall of Fame, also home to the world's largest chess piece. You can tour a reimagined ghost town brought back to life as outdoor art at Red Oak 2 in Carthage, or go on a crazy underwater adventure at Terre Mine, one of the world's largest man-made caverns and freshwater scuba diving resorts, or throw back craft beers 50 feet underground at O'Malley's Pub in Weston. Missouri is a place full of surprise and delight. Don't miss out on Missouri, because whether it is weird, wondrous, or the world's largest, there is an M.O. for every traveler in Missouri. Find yours at visitmo.com.
1: When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? a couple hours boat ride away from Catalina Island. I sailed there with my family a couple of times. There was one field trip to the island in fifth grade, and my friends and I went together in high school. But I never saw a bison, until a fateful trip in 2016.
2: Yeah, I've also been curious to hear how you tell this story to people, because...
1: I feel this like- is Liz Fletcher. She's one of my oldest friends. And hiking buddy. And back in 2016, we had decided to hike the Trans-Catalina Trail. It's an almost 40-mile trail from one end of the island to the other. We were there on a weekend in the middle of December. And it had been raining a bunch the past couple of days. The trail was so muddy, it was closed. The park rangers told us it might dry out a little bit later in the day if the sun came out. But in the meantime, we could just walk around the town of Avalon.
2: I found my love in Avalon.
1: Avalon is the biggest city in Catalina. Starting in the late 1800s, a cascade of millionaires started trying to develop it into a resort town. They built a three-hole golf course, a fishing club, even the world's first steam-powered glass-bottom boat. In the 1920s, the Wrigley family took over. Yeah, the people with the chewing gum money. William Wrigley Jr. built the iconic Catalina Island Casino, the first movie theater in the world designed to show talkies, or films with sound. He even encouraged directors to come shoot their movies on Catalina Island. And that is where the bison come in. Everyone agrees they were brought to the island in 1924 to shoot a movie. There's some question over what movie they were here for, but I personally think the most likely candidate is a film called The Thundering Herd. That sound from the 1933 remake of the original 1925 The Thundering Herd, which was a silent film and which unfortunately has been lost to time. But whatever movie they were making, the filmmakers needed A Thundering Herd, and because there were no large grazing animals native to Catalina Island, they had to BYOB, bring your own bison. So they shipped in a small herd of 14 from the Great Plains. And after they wrapped production, they just left them there. While Liz and I were waiting around at the park ranger station, I read a flyer tack to the wall that said if we ran into a bison we should stay at least 100 feet away. They can weigh up to 1,800 pounds and run up to 35 miles per hour. They can jump six feet in the air. The flyer said there had been some goring incidents on the island. Up until that moment, I always thought of the bison as kind of bigger cows, but suddenly I remembered a photo I'd seen of a hiker working his way down part of the Trans Catalina Trail. There was a bison standing behind him, and it looked about 12 feet tall in the picture. If we ran into one of those guys, I did not like my odds. After about four hours of waiting, Liz and I got the call from the park ranger. The trail had dried out. We were behind schedule, but we could start our hike. We were starting
2: at 3 p.m. to do eight miles. Sun sets at 4.45, so ambitious goal. <laughs>
1: The rain clouds had cleared and we were walking along the ridge at the top of the island. On either side of us was sparkling deep blue Pacific Ocean.
2: And looking out across like the folds of Catalina, like there are just canyons upon canyons, and then the, the coastline is going in and out, and so there are just all these like layers and textures along the length of the island.
1: Had it occurred to you, do you think, that the sun was going to set at 4.45 p.m.?
2: No, that was not a fact. We'd always hiked together in the summer. This whole concept of, like, winter early nights had not crossed my mind in planning this trip a single time. I did not think about it.
1: (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Until. Until the sun started to set the hills began to cast these long, dark shadows. I was like, man, this is really, really pretty. And
2: then all of a sudden it hit me, and I was like, oh, we probably have 30 minutes until the sun is gone, and then we have 30, 45 of twilight,
1: and we haven't made much progress. We started walking, faster now, Pretty soon, the twilight was gone, and things got dark quick. There was no moon. All we could see was the arc of light cast by our headlamps. And this is when I started to think about
2: the fact that we're in pitch black, surrounded by wildlife that we can't see.
1: (laughs) After a while, my headlamp stopped working. So Liz walked first, and I followed right behind her on the narrow path. The only thing I could think about was the bison and how the flyer said you were supposed to stay 100 feet away. How far ahead of you do you think you could see?
2: I would say max six feet. The The anxiety-inducing part was that it was a, a windy path through shrubs, so you were always kind of coming around a corner or up a little bit into a blind crest, and then you'd take a sharp left. It was just like, a, <laughs> what's what's coming next? We
1: have no idea. <laughs> we walked in almost total silence. I, at this point, was composing my own obituary in my head. Sarah Wyman, beloved daughter, sister, and friend, was found impaled on a cactus in rural Catalina. She's survived by her parents, who really thought she was smarter than to walk headlong into an angry bison at 6 o'clock p.m. And yeah, the flyer said that the bison are docile as long as they're not provoked. But Okay, is it unprovoked when you
2: surprise them with, with a, a headlamp in their eyes? They're trying to get some
1: sleep. We That's the perfect way to provoke a bison. Neither of us is sure how long we walked in the dark, but it felt like hours. Finally, we made it to the top of a small hill, and when we squinted into the darkness, we saw a small shed across the clearing. I remember dumping my pack on the ground, looking at Liz, and exhaling this terrified, shaky laugh. It was still very dark out. It was windy and it was cold, and we were the only people at this campsite. But I was so relieved.
2: And I just remember—I'm pretty sure I was sitting next to you—and I did the the like nervous mom in a in a car thing, where I just like my arm went out and like slapped your arm and held you, and I was like, "Sarah, there's an animal," <laughs> and you obviously are super stressed. <laughs> She's like, "What? What?
1: Where?" I was like, "There are eyes. Do you see them on the left? Look." With my, like they're reflecting. I turned around as slowly as I could. I looked about six feet off the ground where I thought a bison's eyes would probably be. I whispered, I don't see anything. Liz lifted her arm slowly and pointed down. Immediately, as soon as you saw them, you burst
2: out laughing. And I was like, this is so rude, like, or like, what is she doing? Like, what, what, like, this is, I'm afraid I'm going to die. She's laughing. Like, what? it's not okay. <laughs> and she's, and then you're like, Liz, the eyes are like four inches from the ground. That's like, I most a fox. Like, it's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. i most a fox. Isn't that scary
1: too? <laughs> By 1987, the bison herd on Catalina Island had grown from 14 to 524. And that was a problem. A, because that is a lot of bison. B, the bison were chowing down on the island's native grass. And C, there was a little bit of inbreeding going on. So over the years, the Catalina Island Conservancy started managing the bison population. They airlifted a couple dozen out to Yellowstone and brought in some new blood. Today, the herd is thriving at a cool 100 bison. The next morning, Liz and I set back off through the rolling hills. The path was wider. It was broad daylight. We were talking and laughing. And then we saw them, several hundred feet away in a meadow.
2: Three quarters of them were just laying down. There were some, like, chewing on grass. And just, like, the the threat level you get from a cow was the amount of threat I was feeling from these Catalina Bison.
1: (laughs) Catalina Island's bison were brought here to be in a movie. And I gotta say, seeing them lying there in that field was kind of like seeing a movie star. They were beautiful, bigger than life, But it was also kind of like being in a movie. We were momentarily transported through time and space back to the Great Plains of America in the early 1800s. We stood there for a good 10 minutes, taking it all in. And then we moved on. We had a lot of miles to go that day, and we wanted to get to our next campsite before the sun went down. If you want to see the Catalina Island Bison from a safe distance, there are Hummer tours that leave from Avalon. And if you want to hike the Trans-Catalina Trail, which I totally recommend, by the way, the full hike takes about four days. The best times of year are in the fall or early spring before it gets too hot. Thanks this week to the intrepid Liz Fletcher and also Ranger Dan for the hot chocolate. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes
0: Doug Baldinger
1: Camille Stanley Tracy Samuelson
0: John Delore
1: Camille Mojica Chinenya Onike Maddie Weinberg
0: Peter Clowney Manolo Morales Dylan Thuris
1: Our technical director is
0: Casey Holford
1: This episode was sound designed by Chris Naka and mixed by
0: Luce Fleming
1: Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Sarah Wyman And remember, stay 100 feet away from the bison at all times
2: the eyes are like four inches from the ground. That's like, at most, a
1: fox. Like You at no point thought this was a bison. I mean, you could not have thought it was a bison.
2: No, I did think it was a bison. <laughs> Didn't you think the bison was like army crawling across the campsite?
1: <laughs> Witness Docs from Stitcher.